This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Magpies Unrestricted. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Magpies Unrestricted, where we'll be talking all things Newcastle United. I'm your host, Chris Simpson, and joining me today is Cara Thistlethwaite. Morning. And once again, we are joining you after... A, a, a scintillating match of football showing two excellent teams with lots of vigour. Is that is that what we've just watched? <laughs> yes. Yeah. My God. <laughs> yep, once again, we are joining you after a pretty dreadful one-all draw involving Newcastle, this time at home to Aston Villa. I don't understand why you're not happy about this. Surely the steady accumulation of points means your survival in the Premiership. Is that is that is that not true? I think we're going to go down. <laughs> I, a lot of people are telling me that they still think Newcastle might sort of just about scrape uh, survival and stay up. And I hope they're right, but I'm at the moment I, I can't really see it. I think. Oh, but the scrape isn't good enough. This is the point. Like I know, like yes, being able to survive. At this point, I will take that. But again, it's not like it's not like you've been playing well and you've been unlucky. I mean, yes, you have been playing well in some matches recently. But if you were playing at that standard with none of your injuries earlier in the season, we wouldn't be in this situation. Because what I'm seeing at the moment is a team that very much wants to get forward when they're on it. This match, yes, I don't think they were as bad as they were last week. They, they had chances, but again, no one to finish it. Now, if that was the case when you had the likes of Wilson and Almiron and Sam Maxman earlier in the season, if you were doing that, you would have won a lot more of those earlier games. And we wouldn't be in this situation that you are in now. Yeah, I mean, I think... This game, it was marginally better than the West Brom game, but that doesn't say a lot because the West Brom game was absolutely <laughs> abysmal. And of course, not not a lot really happened for sort of 85 minutes until then that quite unfortunate own goal from Kieran Clark, which I think was slightly against the runner play. I think at that point, I think Newcastle were actually marginally the better team. And then thankfully, Jamal Lascelles popped up, of course, with that, with another big header in the 94th minute to salvage a point. Now, was a point good enough? Ultimately, no, not really. We need to get wins on the board if, we, if we're if we going to have a chance. We're running out of time, and especially when we have so many tough fixtures in our final 10 games. Exactly. Where yeah. you wonder where the points are going to come from. You need to be winning those more, I'm using winnable, in, in a very commas, generous sense here, commas, listeners, yeah. but you have, to, you have to get three points in those sort of more winnable games yeah I mean linking it back to this thing of if you were playing that well when we had your players well Aston Villa aren't playing well at the moment purely because they haven't got Jack Grealish I mean luckily they didn't have Jack Grealish because he would have been able to convert those chances but I mean they've got what one win in the last five games and only scored twice so they're in a similar situation to what Newcastle are in terms of injuries yes I know your other two creative players are injured but their main one at the moment is their goal scorer who you were also missing However, for them to get this uh, draw, yeah, it might be disappointing for them. 
but it isn't you know it, it, it isn't a season breaker for Aston Villa because of where they are on the table now so this could have been where you this could have been reversed if you were playing at this standard yeah. with all of your players at the beginning of the season well you were playing well at the beginning but you know if you continued that rather than just literally disappearing off the face of the planet and then suddenly realizing oh oh bugger we're actually going to get relegated if we don't do something now yeah i mean we were lucky that Jack Grealish uh, was still out. Uh, of course, he had just about recovered from his injury, but then he was ill. So I said, fortunately for us, that kept him out. And of course, if he'd have played, we might be talking about a Newcastle defeat here. I mean, we very nearly were anyway, given the, the late own goal. And yeah, I mean, I think apart from there were you know one or two chances here and there, I think Aston Villa didn't cause Newcastle too many problems at the back. Said there were one or two moments, and likewise there were one or two moments at the other end, and that's pretty much all we're talking about, listeners, because there was nothing in between. <laughs> there, there was there was there was very little else. I mean, got a rather yet another depressing Opta stat here for you that only Sheffield United have actually failed to score in the first half of more Premier League games this season than Newcastle. So that's twenty-one games Newcastle haven't managed to score in that first forty-five minutes. Which, I mean, even you know, even when we had our forward players, that was still, as you can see by that number, a pretty massive issue. I just think there's a massive lack of confidence of the people who you've got on to fulfil this goal-scoring deficit at the moment. Clearly, Jolington has no confidence. He was in multiple positions where he should have just shot because it would have created a chance. Uh, Fraser was the only one who seemed to be heading in trying to get something because Gale was always on the wing. Which well, I'm pretty certain is where Fraser should have been. Well, that's I think Steve Bruce. I don't know what he was thinking. Having the two, you had the striker Dwight Gale playing on the left, and you had the winger Ryan Fraser playing through the middle. It just made no sense. It doesn't serve either player. But I mean, at least Fraser was having a pop. Well, he had to because he was the no one, one up, else was <laughs> because he was the one up there. But that's the problem. Yeah, Dwight no, I Gale. I mean, as as I've said before, I have my reservations about him at Premier League level anyway. But you're only ever going to get anything out of him if you have him up front. You have him in the box, potentially scarfing up chances. Mm. And when you're playing him, you're sticking him out wide, you're not going to get anything from him. No, but I mean, talking about Jolington, though, he was a really big, strong physical presence. And I think we mentioned this last week about how he was causing a bit of an issue there and he was doing something. So, So he was being very useful to Newcastle up front. But again, he's not taking the shot when he has the chance. And if he's there holding up players and holding the ball, there's nobody else for him to offload that to, to, to create a scoring opportunity. That was the thing with Jolinton. And as you say, similar to last week, but I think even more pronounced this week, which was... Definitely, because Mings is, a, is an impressive defender. Their, their defence is quite good. And, and Jolinton, he caused him all manner of problems throughout the game. I think, as you say, with his sort of physical presence, with... To be fair, actually, his work rate up front, he was he was harrying Tyrone Mings, he was he was closing him down, he was causing him lots of issues. The problem then, which was so frustrating, is is the couple of times when he sort of got he got past him, he got away, he was more or less sort of clean through. And as you say, just a complete lack of confidence, and I think also just poor decision making when he gets into the box. And just have he a pop, wasted have a shoot, shot, two shot, really shoot. good opportunities <laughs> where the first time, I mean, to be fair, it was, a, it was a great recovery from the Aston Villa defender. But again, I think a more confident player than Jolinton would probably have already had a shot by the time they were closed down. And then, of course, the second one, 
where admittedly, it, you know, it was a slightly tight angle, but he absolutely should have shot, tries to square it back and doesn't manage to find Fraser Anyone. or Gale. Mm. And it was so frustrating because they were our two, aside from when Jacob Murphy uh, came on and, and hit the bar, they were our two biggest chances in the entire game. And we didn't even really, on either occasion, manage to actually test the goalkeeper. But I mean, talking about Murphy, why wasn't he playing? He had such a big impact on the game. And again, you know, you didn't have that any form of impact subs. Yes, no one was brought on with two minutes to spare or 20 seconds to spare this time. But Yes, I mean, he gave Andy Carroll a whole five minutes to influence the game. I mean, he would have been brilliant if I had Fraser on the wing, Joel Linton crossing in because, yes, he's not shooting at the moment. He would have been a real danger. But if we come back to Jolinton, where has jo- why is this a surprise? Where's Jolinton been for this season? Because he's done nothing of this throughout the rest of the season. Yes, I know he's been injured. But why Why is it taking this long? Well, as you say, just the confidence is so low, which I think trails back to last season. But if he'd, he done this last, if he'd done this at the start of the season, he could have had a couple of goals. And at this point, he should be gaining in confidence. Yeah, well, he, the thing is, he's just he's not a £40 million player, is he? That's no, at the end I, of the I'm, day. Looking, I'm looking back on things that we can't change. I think it's just the frustration. Just on Jake Murphy, who you mentioned, again, yeah, he actually did really change the game when he came on. Mm. Hit the bar, got the assist for Lascelles, uh, equaliser. So I think... Again, you know, I have my reservations about Jacob Murphy at Premier League level as well, to be honest. But to be fair to him, he made things happen when he came on. And I think we're going to need that next week because one of the things that I've noticed recently, and again, I think was especially apparent in that match with Aston Villa, is that without Almiron and without Alan San Maximan, it's like we just we don't have anyone who's really willing to take a defender on to, to yeah. run at players. Yeah. And that obviously that can be so important both for creating chances, forcing other teams into mistakes, winning penalties, of course, because you know you never know someone might stick a leg out and. You but know, you yeah, get a yeah, you're lacking that pace, aren't you? At and the moment? yeah, and we just we don't we we don't have that, and it's it's so frustrating because instead what what we were just doing on Saturday against Aston Villa just time and time again was we would basically just float completely aimless, hopeful balls into the box, just hoping that someone's going to get on the end of it. Which again, when you've not got someone like Andy Carroll up front, is kind of pointless because mm. Dwight Gale isn't that big physical presence. No. You know, if something falls to him, then at his feet, then he you know, he might stick it away. But in terms of as you say, just floating balls into the box, you know, Tyrone Mings is going to deal with that all day long. Yeah. Especially against a player like Dwight Gale. I think if that was going to be their their plan then have Carroll on. If he's got to go off in, you know, at 45 minutes, he's got to go off in 45 minutes, but... Or likewise, bring him on for the second half. Again, maybe, you know, maybe the reason why Steve Bruce hasn't used him very much, and of course we all know how injury-prone Andy Carroll can be, maybe he just can't do 90 minutes anymore, but... But what's the Surely point in he having can do him? more than five. Yeah, what's the point in having Surely him if he, he doesn't could, even play? Surely he could play? do 20 minutes or half an hour or maybe just the second half or something. Yeah. Because five minutes isn't enough, and obviously last the week before, twenty seconds just isn't enough. He's not the player that's going to do that, especially when you're not even. Again, I know we're going back to the West Brom game now, but he didn't even bring him on because we had a corner or like a pro- really promising free kick. He just brought him on. Yeah, he missed all those opportunities earlier. You know, and that was just so frustrating. And then again, just going back to again what we're lacking with uh, Almron and ASM being out is just. Aside, you know, as well as that sort of present, that dribbling, that that willingness to run at players is also 
on the rare occasions when Newcastle actually had a counter-attack on Saturday, you know, they just didn't move the ball quick enough. Just time and again, when it happened, it felt like we were literally just letting... We'd, we'd run up the pitch a little bit and then we would just stop them just by, okay, Aston Villa, you get your defenders organised again. And then again, we're just going to float these aimless balls into the box and just hope for the best. I mean, you could argue that that is tiredness from the squad. Um, this is what you've, we've seen from lots of other Premier League teams at the moment, just the exhaustion. And it just leads to these, well, it becomes almost volleyball, doesn't it, really? Um, and then people standing still, passing backwards a lot when there is other opportunities just because people are tired mentally and physically. Obviously, it's slightly flimsy of an excuse for Newcastle at this point in time because you haven't had those extra games. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even sure it's really tiredness. I just think it's a combination of Bruce's tactics, I think. I, I just don't think he knows what to do with us going forward. I mean, to be honest, I don't think he really organises that well at the back either. I think there's problems all over the pitch, but... He doesn't really know how to organise us when we are going forward and what we're doing in the final third. I think that's been quite obvious by the complete lack of imagination in our players. And that, and then again, that combined with the players that actually do have a bit of spark, a bit of imagination in that final third, of course, not being there. But I don't want to let Steve Bruce off because, yes, he can't control the injuries. And yes, we have been unlucky, I think, along with sort of the likes of Leicester and I guess to an extent Liverpool, we, we have been one of those players, uh, sorry, one of those teams that have been hit hardest by injuries this season and certainly in, in recent months, but at the same time. We- at the same time, the players who play regularly are a first team players for Newcastle. There's still a lot of them on the pitch and I'm still not seeing any desire. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of that com- comes down to Steve Bruce and... Yeah, it's always going to be difficult when you're missing several key players, but you've still got to adapt to it. And we haven't seen nearly enough signs of Newcastle really sort of adapting to the new situation there seems to, be to the very, players that they do have available and really trying yeah. to make the best of it. There's very little faith in your uh, reserves, or this is what it appears to be, that there's very little faith in, in your substitutes and your reserves to bring them on. He, he plays the same players every week to exhaustion, to the point that they get injured, without resting, without putting the likes. Andy Carroll is not a bad player. Fraser has shown that he's not a bad player. He could have brought Gale on to give Almoron a bit of a break. Mm. It wasn't in a bad enough situation where that couldn't have happened. And just a lack of faith in these players seems to have created a complete lack of confidence in some of them. And maybe that is a part that has happened with Jolinton. Yes, he didn't play brilliantly last season. Yes, he's got a lot of pressure on him. So why isn't that being dealt with? This isn't the first season that this has happened. Why hasn't that been sorted? And I mentioned Ian Acho. For Leicester, that was exactly the same with him. He didn't have confidence for two seasons. But he was Mm. built on. And now he's scoring goals. Yeah, and it comes back to what, again... And he isn't a fir- and he before. wasn't a first team player. He mm. wasn't a first team player. So why isn't this emphasis on Jonathan, who plays every week? Well, as I say, it, it comes back to what we've talked about before, which is why did Newcastle only bring in one loan signing in January? I know that the three forwards 
weren't injured then. I know that sort of all happened since then. But there's no depth in that squad. No. If Andy Carroll can't be used for more than five minutes at a time, (laughs) then you need to get another striker in because that's not useful enough. I know it might not be Andy Carroll's fault. As I said, we all know the injury problems he's had over the years. But as I say, if 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 he literally cannot be used for more than that amount of time, then why have him? Why not bring someone else in, another creative player, another potential goal scorer, even if Mike Ashley isn't going to splash out another 20 million or, or 40 million to bring a, a big signing in, but surely there was someone out there who could maybe have done a job. But again, we've, we've been over that before and there's nothing that can it's now just, be done. But. It's just wishes and prayers, isn't it? That's all it is at this point. Wishes and prayers and what could have been. And now, because we don't want to have a look at what the potential is, and that is Newcastle being relegated. And I think it's a very strong potential. I mean, again, now another draw, another point on the board, but that's now two wins in 19 games, which is no. half a Premier League season. That's <sighs> absolutely appalling. It's, it is very much relegation form. It's, it, even for relegation form, it's, it's pretty awful. Mm-hmm. And yes, Newcastle might still stay up. They're not out of it. But at the moment... They're the team that I think most neutrals probably have pegged to go down, and I think I think they're right to do so. Now, obviously, one thing that could be a bit of a factor at the end of the season, if Newcastle aren't already relegated by then, <laughs> is that according to, to current government plans, fans could be able to return in limited numbers from the 17th of May. I think you've been a bit too hopeful here because we know exactly what's going to happen. Your wonderful owner is going to charge a ridiculous amount of money for his friends to come in to watch the match. I don't think Mike Ashley has any friends. I meant inverted commas. Sorry, sarcasm might not have come across there. There's not actually going to be any... How many true fans could go and see that? Because my my heart of hearts says they're going to be priced out. I don't think that's going to be an issue. I think the issue will be how many fans want to go and see it. That's the problem. I get, I get that. I get that. But Newcastle fans, they will support the team. That's the point. Thin, I think they will be. But at a certain point, even fans like that have a breaking point. And I think the fans will be there, but whether they'll be there to cheer the team on or just to boost Steve Bruce is anyone's guess. And of course, that's just according to the current government plans. We all know how things can change when it comes to lockdown rules being lifted and and, and moved about. So, of course, this take all of this with a pinch of salt. You're saying there's no actual plan there? No actual plan. That they don't know what they're doing. That they've not you turned on literally everything they've ever said. People are still going to go and do this. I don't see... I mean, let's forget what the government says because people are still going to be out and about. So it doesn't matter what happens. They're not in the stadium. They're going to be outside the stadium. I think it's still going to have an effect. Well, we'll, we'll see what happens. But of course, the Premier League final weekend is the 23rd of May. So obviously... If everything went according to that current plan, then there would be the the one round of fixtures with potentially fans being back. But of course, Premier League Chief Executive Richard Masters has said that a round of fixtures could also be moved to sort of to be played between the 18th and the 20th of May, which then therefore gives every team a chance to play a home game with fans in, hopefully with up to 10,000 at each game. And then that way to make it fair so that it's not just the final game of the season where, of course, Newcastle are away at Fulham. Yeah, that's And I think we're very two, worried about that. Two crunch games there for Newcastle with fans. That could, as you said, that could swing the tables, but it completely depends on what frame of mind the fans are in. 
Yeah, and a lot might also depend on which fixture potentially gets moved for Newcastle's home sure. game. Yeah. So Newcastle's, as I say, Newcastle are away at Fulham on the final day. Their remaining home fixtures this season are against Tottenham, West Ham, <laughs> Arsenal, Man City and Sheffield United. At this stage, we don't know which one of them might get moved. My inkling is it could be the Man City game, but as I say, we don't know. The only but hope if with Sheffield that. Sheffield pick this up. Maybe it's it's Sheffield United. Well, Sheffield United are going to be that final hope. They're meant to be the final home game anyway, so it mm. could be that. Mm. Man City, I think, is a midweek game because that is our game in hand. That could be the one that gets moved. Our only hope in that case, or just generally with that Man City game anyway, wherever it's played is that Man City have already won the league. That said, they're the kind of team that doesn't tend to still drop off anyway, but if they're still in the Champions League and if they've won the league by then, that's probably Newcastle's best hope. But even then, it's still going to be a slim one. But yeah, yeah, so potential for fans in those last two games. And as I say, whether the Newcastle fans, whatever game that is, whether whether they'll be turning up to cheer the team on or whether they'll be... uh, (laughs) or whether they'll be turning up to make their feelings known about Steve Bruce and Mike Ashley is anyone's guess. We'll have to just see what shape Newcastle are in at that stage of the season. I felt like you were desperate to say tears then, tearing up. I think there'll be tears as well. (laughs) But to start with, obviously, Newcastle have got to go away to Brighton next, which is going to be... Another game that should win. However, another game that I'm guessing will be 0-0. Or 1-1. Well, it's 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 an absolutely massive game. Obviously, Brighton being one of Newcastle's biggest rivals for survival. And it's the same for them, though. They have to win this game. They have some, some tough games, just like Newcastle do uh, still to play. Man United, Chelsea, City, Arsenal, West Ham. All, all tough matches. Both teams have tricky run-ins. This is, this is one of those ones that both teams need to win. Absolutely. For both teams, it's it's a bit of a six-pointer, really. I know there's 10 games left to go, but really, it is. Mm. And as you said, there is still that possibility that it might be a pretty boring draw because... neither can score. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Brighton do play nicer football than Newcastle, which admittedly isn't hard, pretty much... <laughs> Virtually every team in the league plays nicer football than Newcastle, but they do have that similar struggle for goals. So that is going to be an issue. I think what worries me is that Newcastle actually have a really bad record against Brighton. Yeah. We've, yeah. Not, we've not won in seven Premier League meetings. And it's them. surprising. It's surprising that that's the case. I mean, I'm not saying Brighton are a bad team. I do think they can be quite difficult to break down. But even when you've been playing half decent, I would have thought that it should have been better. But yeah, seven... Haven't won in seven games against them. That, that's yeah, and I, I had the misfortune of being at Newcastle's nil-nil draw with Brighton last season, and oh my god, it was bad. Any fans who again had the misfortune of being in the stadium that day will know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, it it, it was it, it it to be honest, it made the West Brom game look half decent. Oh. And again, yet again, it was one of those issues where Andy Carroll came on late, did actually start changing the game. The fans really picked up. But Steve Bruce had left it far too late, and I just, you know, I just, want, just I just a, want to see Carroll play for forty-five minutes. I just want to see him play for forty-five minutes. Give uh, the man a chance. If he's there to be your impact player, give him some time. If he gets injured in forty-five minutes and he can't play again for the rest of the season, you actually not lost anything because he's barely playing. Yeah, that's not to be honest. It's not, it's not a bad idea. 
The other thing that worries me, aside from Newcastle's said pretty bad record against Brighton, of course, is that this very second game of the season, Newcastle's first home game of the season, and we lost 3-0 to Brighton. Yeah, that was... In September, that was. Genuinely painful. And... This was after Newcastle had actually gone away, beaten West Ham. You know, nice confidence-boosting win on the first day of the season, away from home in London, where Newcastle historically don't do very well. And then we come home, and then we lose 3-0 to Brighton. And this was actually one of only two times this whole season in the Premier League where Brighton have actually scored three goals you know, you know in a game. You know, it's, you know it's shame, gonna, it was shameful. You know what's going to happen now, don't you? Are we going to lose 3-0 again? Yes, you are. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, honestly, Newcastle's only, I think, only ray of hope really in this game is that Brighton have only actually won one home game in the league all season, which... <laughs> doesn't. How many away games have you won? Three, which... Well, <laughs> look, you've got two pretty awful teams here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, this I'm is sorry. the only I ray didn't of hope. Mean, I didn't mean to, to cast the storm clouds over the hope. I've already said it's a very slim ray of hope, <laughs> but the one slim ray of hope is that Brighton are pretty awful when it comes to getting wins at home. Now, of course, they've been lucky here and there as well, as we know, but that's that is Newcastle's only hope. And as I say, it's not it's not a big hope, but I mean, if you Newcastle keep... has been clutching at straws, we were a dreadful team run by a dreadful human being with yeah. a, a pretty poor manager. I mean, if, if, say if this was at the start of the season and you were playing like we were, I think we've already mentioned this before in different podcasts, you'd be like, yeah, this is something to improve on. We've been unlucky with these things and we've been unlucky in the matches to not score a goal. But now, it's like you can't even say that we're being unlucky now. This is something that we're going to have to do because we're too desperate. I'm really hoping that this means over the last couple of matches, we've seen the likes of Jolington, Fraser, and Gale actually start going forward a lot more. I'm hoping this is the game that they find their confidence and a lot more shots are going in because you've had a lot of shots and it's even on target, but they're straight at the goalkeeper. So let's just hope that this improvement can continue and, and, and makes the difference between Newcastle and Brighton. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see how Steve Bruce sets up the team for this game because anything other than fully going for a win is going to be absolutely unforgivable. And we've seen that plenty of times already this season. But if we turn up to this game and don't really try and go for a win, I'm sorry then, I've just had enough. Because as we've discussed, yes, it's an absolutely must win for both sides. And of course, neither side is going to want to lose. But if Steve Bruce just turns up for every game this season, hoping that a point is going to be enough he's going to very quickly run out of games to try and then actually get wins on the board. I, I don't think I can see his smug face in an interview anymore when he's like, oh yeah, we've got a point and he looks really happy about it. And he's like, that shouldn't be the case at this point, Bruce. This is not what you were looking for. Not against these teams. When you have a look who else you've got to play in the season and the position that you're in, you should be mad. You should be mad. Yeah, it's one thing to say, come away from a game against, say, a team like a Man City, a Chelsea, Leicester, one of those sort of top six, top eight teams, and maybe come away from that with a draw and be like, actually, we've done well there. Anyone bottom half, and especially a team like Brighton or West Brom, who are below us, or sort of there or thereabouts around us, 
a draw is not good enough and going for anything other than a comprehensive win is not good enough. So it will be interesting, to say the least, to see how Newcastle set up next week. I'm, I'm not looking forward to the game, but a win in the unlikely event Newcastle get it would be pretty massive. I'd really like to do a positive podcast. I'd really, I would like to as well. really like to do was, a positive was... podcast. This is becoming like one of the most depressing things that we have to do. <laughs> it was good that we, we started that first that first week that we did this was after the Everton win, wasn't it? Because, oh yeah. my God, since then. I know. And the Manchester United match was actually pretty good as well. Considering who you were playing, I I thought there was lots of positives to pull out of that match. I don't think... I don't think we were struggling. And now, not only do we have to sit through the Newcastle match, we then have to try and find some positives about the Newcastle match, which is, it's difficult. And yeah, it was a 3-1, three, 3-1 three one, three one loss against Man United, but it was Man United and he got a goal. And I thought 3-1 wasn't actually representative of how well you played. No, it, it wasn't. But as I say, with 10 games left to go, it's not going to be good enough to just play well and not get the result anymore. But that's the other annoying thing. That's the other annoying thing. You are playing well and creating chances, but you're not scoring any again. So why is Bruce happy with this? So why why is he happy? That's the thing. We we shouldn't be. Even even I mean, even if we beat Brighton next week, which as we've said is a big if, Newcastle will have got six points from their last four games. Now that's not dreadful, but again, when you look at the teams that we've played. A Wolves team who, you know, were a bit out of form. West Brom, Villa, Brighton. That's it's not good enough. We probably needed at least seven or eight points from that run. And as I say, it's a big if that we'll even get six. We could easily lose, or it could easily be just another draw, and that's not good enough. And then that's when the really tough games start, because then until those final two games, you'd say the only quote unquote winnable game is a trip to Burnley. Now, that's not necessarily actually a winnable game. But the rest of them, you look, Tottenham, Liverpool, West Ham, Arsenal, Leicester, Man City, till you mm. get to those final two of Sheffield United and Fulham. It's really difficult to see where the points are going to come from. We're not going to have a positive podcast, are we? I'm not. I'm sorry, but that month of matches is genuinely going to be painful. <laughs> As I say, I think the only hope that we can really have for at least a couple of those is that Liverpool are still in the Champions League, that Man City are still in the Champions League and their attention is elsewhere because by the time we play Man City, I very much suspect they'll have had the league wrapped up. Yeah, probably. Liverpool obviously have relatively little to play for in the league now. I mean, obviously they'll want to get top four, but whether they will... I mean, your hope is that Liverpool and Leicester continue their downward spiral. Yeah, the the hope is that Liverpool are too distracted by the Champions League because they're not doing anything else in the. In their, the... their form doesn't fool me. I know that Liverpool have been awful recently, but that doesn't mean they're going to trip up against us. <laughs> oh, is this all a cunning ploy? <laughs> and I think we all know that. Yeah, Leicester obviously is struggling at the moment. Well, I say struggling. Obviously, you did get that win last week. It'll be interesting to see where Leicester are at by the time we play them come the 8th of May, assuming that game doesn't sort of get moved around for any reason. But yeah, mm. there's there's difficult games left. If Newcastle want a chance, they need to do it now because if they leave it to the last two games of the season, 
I'm sorry, but I have absolutely no faith that they'll get the result. Even if they were to beat Sheffield United, I fully, fully expect us to lose to Fulham on the final day. And to be honest, if Fulham continue the way they have, Fulham might already be clear. But that doesn't mean they're going to ease up if, if that's the case. Mm, yeah, it, it's it's going to be a blockbuster at the end. It is going to be a blockbuster. And there's, there could be tears for either side. Tears if you survive. Tears if you go down. So stay tuned, guys. It's going to be it's going to be joy filled. So anyway, yeah, please give the podcast <laughs> a like and subscribe and leave us a positive review because Lord knows that'll be the only positivity around here at the moment. Good Lord. <laughs> but until next time, this has been Magpies Unrestricted. I have been your incredibly depressed host, Chris Simpson. <laughs> Thanks again, Cara. Thank you. And genuinely, thank you, listeners, for sitting through that and for each week. We really do appreciate it, and we know that it's been a bit of a slog in the last couple of games. Here's hoping it picks up soon. But yeah, until next time, thanks again, and bye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.